What is up, everybody? Welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast. <laughs> Let's go, dude. We're back. Sorry. I'm Harrison Wind here on a Friday. Happy Friday to everybody out there. Joined by my guy, Eric Weedham. You know him as D-Line. Bro, I am so kind of sort of back. Let's go, baby. I am so kind of ready for this. Let's do it, man. Man, do we have a great show planned today? Um, I've got a bunch of storylines that I'm tracking, that I've that I'm monitoring, heading into the real just depths of the off season. <laughs> I'm gonna throw him at D line and make him react to them. So I, I absolutely can't wait for that. Yeah, me too. Any chance that we're going too deep into the off season and that we might implode? Is it is it possible? I think we are in. We are either in or very quickly approaching the deepest depths of the oh offseason. I don't know how it could get any deeper. Are we prepared for this? Not only as like a company, but as a people. You and I, are we ready for this? I don't know if we are, dude. Well, I'm going on vacation next week, so I'll tell you, I am I am not prepared for it at all. <laughs> you're, prepared to be, you're prepared to be completely disconnected, which I couldn't envy anymore. Man, I got to say, like, I've been, I've been like all over the place. Like I've been fulfilling my actual role at this company, which is being the creative director and like actually helping us, you know, expand and um, make money. But my, yeah. you know, my Good, preferred thank role. Thank, thank yeah. you for doing that, by the no way. Problem. I appreciate you filling that. <laughs> no problem. My preferred role is to be the idiot on the, um, on the Nuggets show, but it's wild. Yeah. Like, I don't, it's like we climbed the highest mountain we achieved more than I ever thought possible. I drank so much with so many people from Australia and then some, and like, I, I don't, I feel like I need like a year off to get back in. Like, I don't, I, I you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like so much. I, I know exactly what you mean, man, because a lot of, you know, professionals that are at the top of their field, whether that's in sports or yeah. business or something else, always say, when you get to the mountaintop and you accomplish the ultimate goal, yeah, you just never feel quite the same when you just go back to the grind. And I feel like that's how we're always going to feel. You know, we hit the ultimate goal. And I mean, of course, can you repeat? Can you build a dynasty? Like there, there are so many other questions and, and things that, you know, the Nuggets and this show will keep striving for. But we did hit the ultimate goal. And I so know. there is this question of like, man, will, will we ever be that hungry again? I, 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 hungry. You know, this is our smuggets era. Like this is yeah. us because we would like, you know, Adam has connections. You have connections across the league. So we talked to like dudes that cover the warriors and like to hear how yeah. like not nonplussed and how just like totally like, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, we like, they won 12, they lost a, they just, you know, they don't really care. Um, but I'm ready to be just like a jerk. You know what I mean? I, I like want to, I want people to like, not like the Denver Nuggets. I want them to think about the Nuggets the way that I think about the Lakers or the way that I think about some of these like super hostile teams that are just dicks all the time. But now that we have the magic wand, like now that we have, like nobody can tell us anything, like I, I want to abuse that power. Is that bad? No, it's not. But I would alter that to say I want teams to look at us like the Spurs. 
Yeah, because okay. the, the Lakers just like, yeah, the, the Lakers are, are just <laughs> just the Lakers. They're the yeah. Lakers because of where they're located. Like yeah. the, the Spurs are a respected asshole. Yeah. <laughs> they're respected assholes. They, they do point. it with they do it with dignity and class. That's what I want to be looked at. You know, this is a, I'm glad we talked this out. I could have gone in the wrong direction with my energy, but you're right. Like at the end of the day, everyone should fear us and respect us, but they should also not want anything to do with us. So I think that being yeah. a respected asshole is the right way to frame that. So okay, cool. I'm in. Yeah. All right, now that we got that settled, um, I want to go to my top storyline here that I'm thinking about right now this summer as we get into, like I said, the the deepest depths of the offseason. Uh, will there be another mega superstar trade, D-line, this summer? And should the Nuggets be worried or scared or protrubed by any superstar trade? And I'm talking about, of course, James Harden potentially to the Clippers, his mm-hmm. one-team trade demand, and another one-team trade demand, Damian Lillard to the Heat. Um, let, let's start with Harden to the Clippers because that's the one that's more pertinent to the Nuggets in next season. Are you going to be worried about the Clippers at all if they do trade for James Harden and add him to a Paul George, Kawhi Leonard core? No, no, like there is nothing that James Harden can do that would bring fear into my heart for what it means in the postseason. I mean, James Harden has revealed himself to be the least clutch player this league has ever seen when it comes to the playoffs. Like that man, maybe other have, than like, his teammate, Joel Beach. Yeah, just other than him. Or, or Paul George. Or, I mean, Paul George, I guess, had the year uh, where he went toe-to-toe with LeBron. But, like, yes, Joel Embiid, James Harden, I don't know what they were expecting when they brought those two together as far as, like, what it would mean for the playoffs. It meant exactly what we all thought it would mean. Um, <laughs> right. I'm, But I'm so out on James Harden as a threat or anyone that's, like, his relevance in this league, I think, is – just like it's it, that ship has sailed. I put him in the Russell Westbrook category of like, okay, nice little super nice little bump, you know, veteran presence. He can do some nice things. Your regular season might get a couple of wins added to it, but as far as what it means from the ultimate prize, like, no, absolutely not. Do you? I mean, are you I, worried about James Harden no. going to the Clippers? No, no, I'm not, and I don't think any other West team should be. I'm completely out on him. And I think what's happening is the rest of the league is out on him too, because what it feels like is happening beneath the surface of this James Harden trade demand is that he only wants to go to the Clippers, but I don't think the Clippers want him like at all. They do not want to trade for James Harden because they know how much of a soap opera and disaster it probably would be. So Daryl Moore is probably calling them up and they're like, yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw, but uh, James, he, he kind of only wants to go to the Clippers. And so, uh, so should we do this trade? And they're like, yeah, we'll offer you. Um, we're not even going to offer, you know, Bones Highland, you know, we're, we're not even going to offer Terrence man. We're going to offer you like um, Jason Preston. That, oh. that point, Adam's point. Guard. Adam, Adam would do that trade in a heartbeat, an absolute heartbeat. 
We're going to offer putting... you J- Jason Preston in a second round pick. Can you imagine putting Paul Reed and Jason Preston together on one team? What would Adam do, dude? What would he do? <laughs> but I think that's what's happening is the Clippers are saying, we actually don't want this guy either. And I hope the Clippers hold that position because I think the only way this trade gets done is if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, because people like players, they just like James Harden, other stars do, because that's just how NBA stars are. They just like these guys. I if if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard go to management and be like, yeah, we want James Harden, just like they did when they traded for Russell Westbrook. I think that's the only way this happens. And I hope the Clippers are better than that and hold their ground and don't cave in to their superstars requests again. So I'm, I'm curious to see how, how that kind of dynamic develops, man. I don't know. I don't know what we do, how this gets solved. If it gets solved, I guess it doesn't ever get solved, but just this new paradigm of guys signing big contracts and then making trade demands to a specific team, which is what Carmelo Anthony did to the Denver Nuggets. And then what it did to um, that following season, because I got to think like if you are the Clippers or if you're uh, Miami and you're, you're looking at historical precedent, like if we, what if we do make this trade for this big marquee player? I mean, that destroyed the Knicks. It absolutely destroyed the Knicks because mercifully we had, uh, Masai Ujiri overseeing it, and he just was like, "I'm not budging. Like, I want, yeah. I want this last player. And like, either you're going to give him to me, or this is not going to happen." It, what it did is it ruined the entire season. Everybody was worse for it. But at the end of the day, like the Denver Nuggets ended up being in a really good position because Masai just wasn't willing to budge. Um, but it's like, what are these guys thinking? Like, you're not a free agent. And by forcing yourself, like closing the market to, um, you know, allow the team that you're on that you negotiated with to get a huge contract in the first place, and then you completely hamstring them so that they can't get good value for you because you've decided there's only one place you'll go. Like this outcome has proven to be terrible for everybody. So I don't, I don't even know what the thinking is behind it. It's proven to be terrible, but it just worked for James Harden a year ago but it didn't like, work i mean like he the how did that's it work? didn't work he he ended up losing like tens and tens of millions of, of dollars in the process and now is trying to do the same thing again so it actually didn't work for anybody no but... that's what i'm saying like man i don't know i this is a, I mean, the older I get, the more like grumpy and crotchety about this that I get. No, that you I'm can get grumpy because this is <laughs> like ruining the league. It's it's actually, it it's actually what it's doing. Yeah. Yes. And, and I just don't understand. To me, it's like if you agree to be part of the NBA, like there are certain things that you uh, – agree that are out of your control and you're going to just kind of go along with you can if you wanted to equate it to like joining the army if you join the army like and they tell you that you're going to uh coastal carolina to live you're like well i don't like that but okay i guess i'm going um obviously this is not that but there is something to where like okay listen you're going to lose some personal freedom as far as your 
career is concerned and as far as you know all of the choices you can't necessarily have everything be as yummy and delicious as you want it to but the trade-off is is that you get to make unbelievable amount of money you get to be an, a, a superstar an absolute celebrity your life gets to be, be changed and you know when all of this comes out of the wash when you're age 35 which as you know not an old age you have the entire rest of your life in front of you and you're a, a multi multi-millionaire like i i don't understand why we can't have this understanding that like the league is not real life you know what i mean it's not like yes it's not like the 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 real job market where you're like trying to make decisions about where you want to live and start your future and like where this career will ultimately take you it's like you're here for a good time not a long time like just let the, the the whole thing it's like not these i don't know it bothers me because the players in many ways and you understand why because they're the ones doing it they feel as though it is all about them which i get obviously they're the ones doing it it is but it's not dude it's like this league exists for us for the fans for entertainment like you guys can go play basketball on your own accord you could start your own league in that New York gym where everybody works out uh, in the off season. And you did, guys can did you play. see who was just in that gym? Did you see who was no, just who? in that gym? Who? Bones Highland. Oh, let's go. He's let's been go. converted. He's been converted to that <laughs> stupid Brooklyn uh, gym. Is he working? He's not working out with uh, Joel Embiid's trainer, is he? He's not working out with that guy, is he? Oh, he is. Like, oh my God! What a nightmare! God, how far, how far we've fallen. Anyway, I just wish we could get to that point where it's like we all kind of understand what this is. Like, this is like for entertainment purposes. And if you guys mess around with it too much, it's like less entertaining. Like, what are we doing then at that point? I don't know. I'm very old on this, uh, and it, but it bothers me. What? Why? Why? It bothers me too, D line. Uh... The the good news, though, is they just signed a new CBA. I don't know if you heard about it. And I think there are exactly zero rules preventing this from keep happening or from still happening to every other disgruntled superstar uh, who's going to come up every single year for eternity. I so. mean, there's no... you. There's no universe that the Adam Silver NBA would crack down on player empowerment. That's like... It's because his... they love it. This is what yes. the Adam Silver NBA loves, man. Like It's true. It, and the reason you know it is because you know you know what makes me cringe more than like anything I see on Twitter and and that's saying something. But what really makes me cringe must be on the four the, before you tell. <laughs> it is on the four. Actually, no, I think that's the account. It's when the NBA puts out graphics that say record numbers for social engagement. At yeah. NBA Summer League this year, the finals generated 100 million social media. And it's like, oh, my God, this is <laughs> all they care about. It's true. This is all these guys care about. Well, and what generates social media views? James Harden demanding a trick. Yes. It, 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 contra, yes. <laughs> The mathematics of social media is like small pockets of outrage uh, generate engagement, generate yes. conversation, but it's like all done in bad faith. Like none of it's real. Um, I am convinced on this. Like I, I am absolutely convinced that the NBA has taken a look at themselves and they're like, we have no chance to overtake NFL football 
in the hearts and minds of this current generation and the previous generations that are so it's like so deeply ingrained into what their sports fandom is all around all about but they're like but what we can do is we can absolutely try to capture the next generation the tiktok generation like these young kids that view things through a 2k lens and like yeah I think their plan, their plan is to just like absolutely cater to that. And then as this generation grows up and gets to the point where they're actually, hopefully actually interested in the games, that's the part that they're missing is that they're losing the concept of the game itself. And they're like just focusing on highlights and nonsense. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure that the plan is like get as many eyeballs as possible and then we'll kind of work it out from there once we have like, the stature and the uh, the prominence and just like the general zeitgeist of um, the population, but it's annoying. It's really annoying right now because for whatever reason they they don't feel like the game of basketball is compelling enough to be able to get somebody interested in it. So I don't know. I don't know what what we do. With well, that. that's why we have the Denver Nuggets, and we're so Let's grateful go. we have the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets and Nicole <laughs> Jokic. Down on you fools. Sometimes it feels like. It's the only thing good about the NBA. I know, dude. I this. I mean, truly, like Nikola Jokic, obviously to all of us, started as uh, a mere saint and has ascended to God Himself uh, when it yeah. comes to to basketball. But like, I just cannot be more in love with him. It's like it, the more this offseason goes on, and you don't, he's he's not asking for trades. He's just rafting. Like he's just like just enjoying out on life. the river. Dude, he's just going. My man is rafting, like pretty much nonstop, from what I can tell. And yeah, who, who, how, I can't believe we didn't know that he was this big into rafting. Well, we had some indication. He's been there before. Apparently, that, you know, that uh, video from back in the day of him uh, dancing around in a shed shirtless was after a rafting trip. Uh, and post raft, okay. Post raft, he was in he was in a post raft glow. And as I was driving from Serbia to Montenegro, I uh-huh. passed the building that. And Christina pointed out, she's like, "That's where Jokic went rafting." And then we stopped and we uh, took photos. And then days later, he went rafting there again, which I was like, "Come on, Jokic, don't be so obvious. Don't be so obvious that you're following in my footsteps. It's embarrassing." <laughs> Just because we did it, just because we literally did it to you in Sambor doesn't mean you could do it to me here in Montenegro, but whatever. <laughs> uh, let's hit a break. On the other side, some more offseason storylines that I'm going to throw at D-Line and get his reaction to. Uh, let's go. Right after this. Uh, this episode of the DMVR Nuggets podcast brought to you by Illegal Pete's. Illegal Pete's, your go-to spot this summer. Kick back and enjoy an ice cold margarita or cool off with a bucket of high noons. You can get a bucket of high noons, five high noons for just $22 what? at all illegal Pete's locations. So grab four buddies, guys, girls, whoever, head on over to illegal Pete's, enjoy their patio, oh, get a bucket off. of high noons for only $22. Illegal this Pete's is like, your go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beer. This is the first time I feel like I've had been party to this read where I felt comfortable with directing people to go outside and enjoy a patio. 
Like it's it's finally legitimately patio weather. We were we were sending people into some pretty uh, treacherous situations early on. Every time the illegal peeps read came <laughs> up, it's just hailing golf just balls outside. <laughs> golf balls, softballs, basketballs. I'm telling you, every time that I was checking in on uh, Denver on my travels, I was like, "Bro, what? Like they got they got hailstones out here this big? Like it just gets bigger and bigger, brother." Well, yeah, doesn't it feel like every summer the size of the hail increases? Yeah, I mean, like, I think a lot last of... Year, last, last year was golf balls. This yeah. year, I've been seeing baseballs pop up. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for pumpkin-sized hail, uh, potentially. I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, I think, you know, obviously it's because the planet is dying. But whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, as long as we can figure out, you know, a humorous angle on it. Yeah. Kind Love was one of the first dispensaries in Colorado established in 2010, and they're known for cultivating some of the highest quality cannabis in the state. Mm-hmm. Kind Love is an official partner of DNVR. So support these guys. These guys are a local brand. They've been in the state forever, like I said, established in 2010. They're Colorado through and through. So support Kind Love, support DNVR. Uh, they, of course, have the Turbo Joint. 0.7 grams of whole bud combined with 0.3 grams of turbo keef. Let's go. Get it while it's hot. Visit one of their <laughs> stores in Cherry Creek or North Denver. Mention DNVR. Get the exclusive DNVR discount. 25% off all kind love flower pre-rolls and their turbo joint line. You can also visit their website, kindlove.com. Use the code DNVR for online ordering and their full extensive menu. I went. I All actually right. went. In, I went into a kind love, and I used that DNVR uh, code. It does work, and the Keef out of control. What what great Keef? <laughs> did, did you see this? Jordan Scott brings yeah. up a tornado hit Pikes Peak yesterday. Just we got to. I mean, we can't. We can't get mired into the fact that the world is dying. We got to just move forward. You know. <laughs> Um, what one last note on these uh, superstar trades? Do you think either of these happened before the season? James Harden to the Clippers, Damian Lillard to the Heat. Do any of these get done before the year starts, or as James Harden said, is everybody just ready to get uncomfortable? What a god! What a scumbag, dude. Um, I think the James Harden one gets done for sure. Like, I don't think that. I mean, granted, Daryl Morey like hitched his wagon to literally the most loathsome character the NBA has ever seen. And he said for years, like he saw it as, as his duty to make sure that James Harden won a title. Um, and then and then now this is Jay, how James Harden returns the favor. Like, what a goddamn scumbag. Well, I, I mean, it's it, real quick, it's clear what happened here, at least in my opinion. Remember when James Harden took the discount on his last deal? So he could give the 76 or give, yeah, the, the 76ers just like more room, more cap room or whatever. And um, Daryl Morey was going to give him, you know, the full max in free agency. Everybody right. was like, oh, it's under the table, a wink, wink deal. They'll take right. care of him in free agency. And then Daryl Morey was obviously like, now we're not going to give it to you. So then James Harden opted in and was like, I'm done. So that's. That that's how the Harden Mori relationship split. Whatever. I I, I think that that one get, like to me, um, I don't see Dame Lillard making everybody feel uncomfortable. But I see James. I mean, James Harden has shown exactly what he'll do. He'll come into camp insanely overweight. He'll play 
terrible, uninspired basketball. He'll drag the entire team down with him. He has really no scruples when it comes to this stuff. He's shown it. In the, I He's mean, already is, written the playbook on what to do. He'll just go through it again. Yes. Yeah, so, unfortunately, like, I don't know who would trade for James Harden, apparently the Clippers, but, like, seeing this behavior, like, I don't know why anybody would want to get involved with James Harden. But I, I think that that one definitely gets done. I'm, I'm less – convinced on the Dame Lillard stuff, but I mean, I think I'd be amazing if Dame Lillard got traded to the Raptors. You know, like they were like, we hear what you're saying, but I don't know what to tell you. Like we're trading. I mean, because this is kind of what happened with Kawhi Leonard. He wanted, it was pretty well known. He wanted to go back to LA and then he wanted to go to the Lakers. He wanted to go to the Lakers. And then my man Masai Ujiri stepped up made the trade and convinced him to actually ball out. And he had probably his best season ever uh, in Toronto. That, that championship run was like iconic. And I'm sure that he's so happy that it actually happened. I, I bet if, and that, and Toronto's like another team that has like tons of assets that they could actually offer to Portland. Um, you know, I would love to see that happen, but I, I, I would say Harden. Yes. Lillard. I don't know. 50, 50. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Look, if I'm another team, I I call Dame's bluff and try too. to trade for him. Because, Absolutely. man, Damian Lillard, like, we know how conscious he has been of his rep and his history as being a loyal guy. If he demands the trade, like, this has already, like, kind of killed his image in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. But if he demands the trade and then – was to get traded to another team and like sits out or protest. Like, first of all, he, right. he's just not going to do that because he has four years left on his deal. Like, that's just not going to happen. But if he did that, that would like completely tarnish his entire legacy, which Absolutely. I know he's not going to want to do. So I would call his bluff. And yeah, if I'm a Toronto, if I'm a Boston, mm-hmm. I would absolutely try to trade for him because you know the price would be lower because he's not. Miami, he's not the one team that he wants to go to. You're not the one team he wants to go to. So the price will be lower anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I would I would just I would throw my chips into the middle and try that. I would. I would absolutely. I, and the frankly the Blazers would be foolish to not do that on their do that themselves. Like they just yeah. they have to look out for themselves at the end of the day here. And again, like if Dame Lillard has to play 2 years in a place that he doesn't love as much as Miami, like he'll be okay. Like, like, like if he has to spend what what amounts to four months in a city, he's not like over the moon about. He'll be okay. He'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Here's my next question for you, D line. My next storyline that I'm tracking over the course of the next couple of months: Will there be a Western Conference team that is significantly better than they were last season and kind of jumps up? into the top tier or close to the top tier of the West and gets out to like a really hot start next season. And suddenly we're talking about them as a team that, you know, could be maybe a contender in the West. Is is there a team out there that we're not thinking about that you think could jump up in just the Western conference pecking order? I mean, I think we're season from where they were. Yeah. I think we're all thinking about OKC right in this, Mm. in this, uh, Regard they have just the fact that Chet is coming back, 
and I, we, you know, last year when Chet was drafted, I think we were talking about who actually is a believer in Chet. I think you were on the, I was on the believer in Chet's that side. I think you were on believer in Chet's yeah, side. I was. Um, I think he's going to make a really big impact on that team. And now you have another year of maturation from uh, SGA. You have Josh Giddy. I mean, they actually have like some guys. They have, they have some players. Um, and they keep, you know, they have an unbelievable stable of draft picks. And, and you know, like they're just – I mean, you, you're on record saying that you think that their coach is going to win coach of the year next year, right? He's my pick for coach of the year right now. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, they're, I'm seeing Leo say they're too young, but I, they're too young to say like, they're too young to make real noise in the playoff, make a deep run um, like Sacramento last year, you know, but they're not too young to be the three seed by any stretch of the imagination. We saw, you know, Sacramento is the exact, exact example of this. They jumped up from nothing to what were they? Were they the two or the three last year? They ended up as the three. The, Memphis was the two. The, that's right. Um, and I don't know what's happening with Memphis. Memphis feels like the biggest potential fall to me, although I don't know. Maybe the addition of Marcus Smart actually is makes for a much better version of uh, Dylan Brooks in there, you know, and, and John Morant sort of figures it out. Maybe maybe I'm counting them out a little bit too early, but uh, to me, it, I, I mean, the only only team that I see as a riser is OKC, and I think they can make some some actual noises here. What do you think? Yes, there are two for me. OKC is one of them. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they could wind up as a top four seed in the West. And I, I'm not even kidding when I say that. I agree. The Nuggets, the Suns, I think are going to be in a tier of their own if you're just talking regular season in the Western Conference. Like, just roll the ball out. Mm-hmm. Who, who's going to just rack up wins like it's nothing? It's going to be the Nuggets and the Suns. I think they're pretty clearly in the regular season in a tier of their own. And then after that, man, I feel like it's pretty wide open. Just you look at the 2-3 last year, Memphis and Sacramento. Memphis is due for a drop-off. I mean, Jaw's not playing the first, what is it, 20 games? 25, right? yeah. Twenty-five. I, I think they're going to probably start a little slow. Sacram- yeah. Sacramento, I think, is in for a regression this year as well. Like, there's an opening there for a team to jump up. Oklahoma City was a top ten defense most of the year last year. They finished forty and forty-two. They were nine, ten, eleven, twelve, five games out of the four seed last year. I think with those teams coming back to earth a little bit and Oklahoma City getting a lot better. I think they could be like a four seed. Honestly, that would not shock me. That would not shock me at all. Um, The other team that I think could jump up from last year is the Minnesota Timberwolves. They had a season from hell last year. Minnesota Mm -hmm. did. They traded for Rudy Gobert. They had to integrate him. That was a disaster for most of the year. Carl Anthony Towns, like, you know, we're not high on Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not high on him at all. I don't no, I would, I would, player. I would say we're quite low on him. And by the way, is he? Is it? I thought we all agreed it was Carl Towns. Is he Carl Anthony Towns again? <laughs> well, that, that's what I call him, Carl Towns. But you guys always give me shit for it. <laughs> Carl Towns was injured <laughs> for pretty much the entire year, for like the middle chunk of the season. They got D'Angelo Russell out of there that's that's a great move they'll have yes. Mike Conley 
for the whole year to start the season. Anthony Edwards could jump up into superstar status this year. They got a good coach. I I like what they did this offseason. I just think the Wolves could kind of jump up in the tiers of the Western Conference into that, you know, three, four, five seed range this season. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about specifically for us, just the anecdotal evidence of the fact that they literally were the most difficult opponent that the Nuggets had in their entire run in the first round, like mostly because of just Tim, you know, I got it. We all just feel like Tim Connolly takes the Minnesota job and all his first and only thought is like, how do I deal with Nikola Jokic? And it's to try to contain him with like two guys with size that can at least make it so that he can't um, hang out, you know, close into the basket, which it doesn't mean you stop him, but it just means that he has to defer a lot more often. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't, I I don't know if they're necessarily, you know, designed to bottle up other teams in the same way, but they, you know, I believe in the ascension of Anthony Edwards. I think everybody's bought in. Me too. Um, I don't know. Like they feel like a mess, but you know, like time, and off season and regrouping can really solve a lot of problems. Um, but I agree. I mean, in looking at the, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't want anyone to talk to me about Houston. Houston's like a disaster. I mean, like, I don't even, we, I don't even know. We, we know your thoughts on the Houston Rockets. Well, the they, Houston they've Rockets, been they, well publicized, but they're like, I don't even know who they are anymore. They have like 38 guys in their roster right now. Have they cut down to the actual team yet? And like they're just no, you can you can have twenty guys on your roster through training camp. Jesus, their guys balled out at summer league, but um, you know Jabari Smith looked incredible at summer league. Tari Eason looked incredible at summer league. I don't know how much of that yeah. transfers over to you know like being an actual squad next year, but to me, it's I'm only looking at OKC as 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 a team that makes any kind of leap. And yeah, the Mavs, like that's the other thing. Like, I don't know, I don't I still don't know who or what the Mavs are. They paid a lot of money for Kyrie Irving, and I don't know what the plan is there still. I am not high on the Mavs at all. I, I've been saying this on the shows I've been hosting all week, but like everybody's loved that their offseason. They're like, oh, Rashawn Holmes. Oh, they were so right. so crafty to get off that dragon bender contract. Oh, they brought in um Dante Exum. Like, all right. Like, Grant Williams, I think, is a good signing. They got uh, Omax Prosper in the draft, who who we liked. But uh, other than that, like I'm I'm not too. My my juices aren't flowing about the Mavs. Um, it's funny because Minnesota, I think, did some good stuff this off season. Like they got um, Shake Milton, an, another ball handler. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got Troy Brown Jr., who I like. They're going to have McDaniels back after he punched that wall at the end of last season. <laughs> so, wow, what a miraculous good, comeback. <laughs> they they <laughs> did some good stuff this offseason. They got Nikhil Alexander-Walker back. And yeah. it's funny because talking to uh, my media friends like Dane Moore up in Minnesota at Summer League, uh, everybody was so out on Tim Connolly after the Rudy Gobert trade, of course. So annoying. Now – do you like people hey. people are people are actually c- coming back around on Tim Connolly. They're oh. like, "Oh wait, he actually knows how to do the job." Oh, the He's lakes. actually competent. 
<laughs> the lakes are talking, man. The lakes are talking out there. Yeah. It's there's nothing more annoying than the fact that they took Tim Connolly from us. Obviously, you know, we got over it, uh, you know, the, the, the championship and this draft uh, has, has really helped, uh, you know, heal those wounds. Yeah. But then we're into a go to a place and no one even, they all hate him. You're like, I know. You, ask, you God damn it. You don't even know. That really, you don't even that know. Really, like, yeah. That made me feel a, a type of way, man. When, when they just, they got Tim Conley and they're like, this guy has no idea what he's doing. You we're just like, got lucky in Denver and we're like, oh, you saw oh, you, you, you don't even know. You side door bastards. You don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Um, all right, here's another question for you. Something we've we've talked about a lot this summer. We we watched him at Summer League for two games, for two games. D-line, is Peyton Watson a lock to be in the rotation at the start of next season? Is he start? a lock at the start? No, at the start, absolutely not, no. Um, I think he's a lock to be in the rotation at some point, most assuredly. But I don't know. This is like the more, the longer that we're involved in this business and like just seeing how all of the pieces work together. And you just kind of think about like, you know, you have this idea of like the institution of the Nuggets. Like, what will the Nuggets do? But it's really just like a guy. Like, what will Michael Malone do? I mean, we obviously know that the front office is very, very in on Peyton Watson. They absolutely see him as the future uh, in some capacity. His defensive prowess and his athleticism is just so undeniable. And I'm very excited to see it um, in a place that is meaningful, you know, and like, I, I loved him. I loved him at the end of the season last year. I mean, it was so exciting. A lot of that is just the fact that like everybody, else, nobody else cared. And he was like, this was his shot. So he was actually really going out there and slapping the floor when everybody else was just kind of taking time off. Um, in summer league, like we saw really good things. We saw like some kind of troubling things, but like just summer league stuff. But I don't know. I have a hard time imagining that that Michael Malone just is like, well, you know, it's your time now, rookie. Like to me, it's like I I just have a hard time imagining he just fully jumps over Zeke and Vlatko in the mind of Mike Malone. I I could be wrong about this because it's not like Michael Malone has shown like a real uh, desire and a loyalty to those two players, but he, he just likes vets. I don't know. What do you think? I don't think he's a lock. I, I don't think he is, but I think he is trending towards cementing his place in the rotation. Yeah. Like if he has a great training camp and a great preseason, if he does everything right, I think he will be in there opening night. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think he's there locked in quite now. Um, and I mean, remember, man, Christian Brown didn't play in the rotation no. on opening night last year. No, not at remember, all. Oh, remember opening night last year when the Nuggets went into Utah and lost by 21 points to the Utah Jazz? Yeah, we did a watch along. It was horrible. It was totally horrible. We were like, we were uh, live for that entire game. I was we were live like, for that yeah. entire game. Yeah, we're like, uh, have we maybe like, misplaced our trust and our faith in this world like what are we doing <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm looking at the box score from that game right now i got i gotta read off some of these minute totals to you didn't uh, we get destroyed by uh 
Oh, what's it, the most improved player? What's his name? Lori Markinen. Yeah. Didn't Lori uh, Markin just mop the floor with the Denver Nuggets that night? You thought, but he only had 17 points. Oh, okay. I'll tell you who destroyed us. Well, was the Utah Jazz bench, of course. <laughs> and more specifically, Rudy Gay had 16 <sighs> points and shot four of six from three, was a plus 24 in 26 minutes. Let me let me keep going. Uh, Colin Sexton, <laughs> twenty points, got to line eight him. times in twenty-one minutes. Let me keep going real quick. Malik Beasley, fifteen points, a plus twenty in twenty-five minutes. Walker Kessler, twelve and ten off the bench in twenty-four minutes. Their bench ran the Nuggets out of the gym that night. <laughs> We should like rewatch that watch along just to watch our faces. That's Colin Sexton and the combination of Rudy Gay and Colin Sexton, uh, just off the floor, dude. (laughs) But but what I was getting at was the Nuggets off the bench that night. Bruce Brown, who only played twenty one minutes, Bruce Brown only played twenty one minutes on opening night last year. Wow, that is crazy. Um. Bones Highland, 16 minutes. He actually scored 10 points. Only guy off the bench to get in double figures. Um, Let's see who else. Jeff Green played 15 minutes. He was a minus 14. (laughs) Also off the bench. I can't believe you're making us relive this entire game. This is is cruel. I'm just saying all this to prove a point. Uh, Also in the bench rotation, Davon Reed logged eight minutes. He was a minus 12. Yeah, vet, vet. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, six minutes, minus 13. DeAndre Jordan, happy birthday to him. His contract also became official today. He's back with the Nuggets on a one-year deal. But what I'm getting at is Christian Brown was not in the rotation on opening night last year. Granted, I think the Nuggets were technically deeper last year to start the year than they will be this season. And Peyton Watson, you know, he even though he was in the G League for like mostly all last year, he was on the Nuggets technically last year. He has been in the system longer than Christian Brown was last year. So I, I, as of now, I'm going to say Peyton Watson will be in the rotation on opening night. But that being said, I don't think he's a lock. Yeah, man. You know what it is? Like we we just have all these conversations about like, who's going to start? Who's da da da? And it's like. I don't know. He might not like. He might not technically start the season, but I, as it shakes out, like Peyton Watson's gonna have a huge role next year. Isn't yeah, on day it would one. Be pretty, it's pretty pretty shocking if we went through next year and he is just not somebody we talk about a lot every year. Yeah, there, there's just no way. There's no way. So I, you know, like how it actually comes to play. Like, is it his shoes are tied? He's ready to go day one of the season. I have no idea. I would be surprised, but also I think it's pretty meaningless, especially when you recanted the recounted the uh, that <laughs> the devastating loss to the Utah Jazz that propelled the Nuggets. They had motivation for the rest of the year to take them to that title. <laughs> Dude, that game sucked though. I, I just remember sink. We were watching it downstairs. I just remember sinking into the couch, yeah. like, "What am I doing?" The what bar I was packed. Opening oh. night. 
we're winning a championship. You're, this is the year we've been waiting for. Everybody, and it was. That's the worst part. <laughs> Michael Porter's back, opening night in Utah, and we just got smacked. And it happened oh. like immediately too. Like oh, yeah. it was obvious from the start that oh, yeah. we were going to get smoked that game. I was like, man, this Laurie Markman looks very improved as he was destroying. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, let's hit another break. I got a couple more storylines on the other side that uh, we will get to right after this. When you get hurt, Backus and Shanker is here to help. They've been winning for Colorado families for more than 25 years. And the coolest thing about Backus and Shanker, you don't pay them any money until they win your case. You don't have to give them any upfront fees. You don't have to pay them while they work on your case. You only have to pay them if they win your case. And that means you're getting a lot of money. So you can you can give a little money to back hey, and for winning your case. What's the problem? What's the, who would you say uh, in this dynamic is the Backus and the Shanker between you and I? Um, well, of course, Backus compared himself to Nikola Jokic. <laughs> so, are you? Th- by, uh, do you then see yourself as Nikola Jokic? I mean, I guess you're running the show. On this, on this specific <laughs> show, I've got to be the Nikola Jokic. Yeah, you've got to be the Jamal Murray. Hey, listen. No problem there. No problem there at all. The official Jamal Murray guy of the podcast. I accept that. Shanker. <laughs> I we still have never met Shanker though. I'm I'm I really want to meet Shanker. Yeah, with the age. We need to make that happen. We've Come met Bacchus. <laughs> we need to meet Shanker. Bacchus has been on this show, which is just hilarious. Dude, is Shanker is Shanker ducking up? Do you think he's scared of us? Do you think Shanker I wonder See, I wonder if he was pissed that Bacchus just assumed the title of Nikola Jokic of the law. That's yeah, my feel, theory. I feel re- resentful that Adam has taken that title for himself, so I actually get that. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, Bacchus and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases where you were not fault. Car accidents, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help you if you're injured at work. Give them a call. They got the easiest number to remember. 303-222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Of course, Bacchus and Shanker wins. Also make sure to check out Pins and Aces, the official golf apparel partner of All City and DNVR. Pins and Aces, they've got awesome polos, hats, golf bags. They've got our favorite beer sleeve as well. They've got the liquor stick too. Check out pinsandaces.com. Use the code DNVR to receive 15% off your first order. And get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. Go to their website. Uh, we've partnered with them on shirts, on polos. They've yeah, got man. just tons of great gear, pinsandaces.com. There is, as we speak, probably just coming to an end now, is the DNVR Midsummer Classic, uh, yeah. sponsored by Pins and Aces, putting on yet another, what I assume is a delightfully uh, successful golf event. I didn't realize i had to sign up i came back early so i could participate and then spencer told me he didn't have a spot for me we have a brand new um pins and aces polo that we dropped i'm like i made the shirt i don't even get to play the goddamn event so anyway (laughs) i'm gonna make sure no one gets these polos but throw them in the trash sorry pins and aces they're beautiful but i can't i can't have this yeah, um, but I did see some photos from the uh, Midsummer yeah. Classic come in. Breckenridge Breweries out there. They got a tent. Uh, Breckenridge Distillery is out there. They Dude, got a the tent. Kind Love is out there. So it um, looks like listen. another banger. 
listen, man, like we have a lot of sponsors. We're a business, you know, we're looking for people to, that want to, you know, partner with us to get their message out there. But more than anything, we like to bring on partners that have a similar vibe to our own pins and aces, Breckenridge distillery. Like these are all accessories to a successful Denver sports fans life. So, right. but again, you, you saw that polo with the ice cream golf ball. Don't look at it too long. I'm, again, I'm going to make sure no one on earth gets these fucking polos. If I didn't get one, I'm going to burn it to the ground. <laughs> All right. We're back here on the DMDR. <laughs> Take a good podcast. look. You'll never see this again. <laughs> beautiful polo, man. That yeah, screams summer. That screams summer. Unfortunately, I'll never be able to buy one, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back here on the DMVR Nuggets podcast, Harrison Wind and Eric Weedham. Uh, here, here's another question for you, D-Line. What does a leap for Michael Porter Jr. look like next season? Because I feel like a lot of times when we've been talking about Michael Porter, what we expect from him next season, we just kind of assume it's going to be more of the same. It's going to be a very similar year to the one he had last year. What, what do you think a leap and, and him, like, significantly improving on his game would look like on the Nuggets next season? Or do you even think that's possible? That's an interesting question. That's super interesting. Michael Porter Jr. has probably the most talent, the most raw talent on the team. Michael Porter Jr. is also like the one that's like most encumbered and most held back by his body. Ironically, it's like it is his greatest gift and his like greatest anchor is his body. Me too. Now that yeah. I think about it, uh, my my greatest gift is definitely my body. Um, but like, I don't know, man. Like he's like, you want him to be consistent. Obviously, we've seen the heights that this this guy can can reach. Yeah. You know, is it, and is is it like? To me, a leap is like he he shoots like forty five percent from three point for the entire year. Like we just see him really lock into that third position of you know people are now obviously locked in on Jokic and Murray because they have to be the most dominant action that we have in the game. And the fact if 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 MPJ can just like increase those those numbers, those shooting numbers, and be consistent i don't but like to your larger point like i don't know how much higher this guy can get honestly it's like can you do it in the playoffs can we count on you when the the moment is the biggest as far as like the regular season i mean he could it is in him to hit like an i would say borderline all nba maybe third team all nba level like if he really really if he really converts on the potential that he has but it, it's tough because for him, like his role is not going to increase. There's no way. Like, you know, he's going to be given the same opportunities that he was last year. It's not like it's not like they're going to start featuring him more often. Um, and so, you know, a leap for him is like he drives to the basket. We, we see him finish at the basket more often. We see him more reliably finish from three. We see him just be that like deadly. You know, like uh, to be the Clay Thomas, Frank or Thompson that we always envision him being, like to be yeah. that guy that's just so deadly that you can't leave him alone, and then it just makes the Denver Nuggets unbeatable, which is entirely possible, and frankly, already happened last year. Like, right? Um, I don't know. Can he? Do you think he can make a, a leap? Like he just, 
I don't know how much. The, like, I feel like we're close to his ceiling. I think he's very close to his like usage ceiling in the Nuggets offense with how the starting five is constructed, you know, with playing next to Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic and Aaron Gordon and Contavious Caldwell Pope. I feel like he's getting the maximum amount of looks or close to the maximum amount of looks that he can get. Now, I think the Nuggets need to do a better job of keeping the ball in his hands and getting the ball to him more when he's hot. I believe that can raise his usage, like raise his shot attempts if they keep finding the hot hand. And I think he can diversify his offensive game a little bit more if he keeps regaining some of his athleticism, which is something I think we saw last year throughout the course of last season. And it's always something I'm always reminded of when I go back and watch his high school mixtapes. The guy was an athlete, man. He was dunking over people, dunking on people, just throwing his body in the air. It's Mm -hmm. just stuff he doesn't really do anymore. So I think he's approaching, you know, his ceiling in terms of his offensive usage and how many shots he's getting just from the fact that he's playing with so many other talented guys and the Nuggets are so stacked offensively. But there are little things, you know, in between that I think – keep growing his game i think so too and for me it's the it's that three-point percentage like i just think yeah i i i think he can shoot over 50 percent. i really do or or near 50 percent. i should say like he's just he's got it man he just he just has that 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 stroke so we'll see yeah for sure um i think that's all the time we got for today though Uh, what the h i was just getting back into it popping on man yeah you were cooking today you were cooking Listen, I've been I've been sitting on planes and sitting on takes at the same time, uh, being stranded in every America, or every uh, airport in America. By the way, you know how people complain about plane travel, in, even though it's like a modern marvel, and we should all be thankful that of its existence and not and like uh, not really complain that it takes two hours to get across or five hours to get across I, the country. I, I can't of, wait to hear this. Twenty five. It fucking this. sucks, man. I hate me. the airplanes, the airplane culture, and like. The 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 way everybody is and like how like rude both sides are to one another and like nobody actually wants anyone to have a good time or a good day. It's just a bad situation to be in, brother. It's flying is the pits. Uh, there's nothing that pisses me off more than flying. And the worst people in the world are the ones on airplanes who get up from their seat right when the plane <laughs> lands and they turn off You're their like, fastened seatbelt oh. sign. And just run up to the front. It's like, where are you going, man? What are you doing? Where, where are you is, going? The door is closed, my man. The door is closed. The seatbelt <laughs> sign goes off and they just sprint into the aisle. It's like, uh... bro, what? what are you doing? What are we doing? Like, those are the rudest people on it's the true. face of the earth. It's true. It's true. You, God bless. You got me. any God. plans this weekend? You seen any I'm... movies? I'll probably go to uh, go to the airport, hang out, see if I can hop on a plane or two. No, I'm definitely going to go see Oppenheimer. I'm definitely going to go see Oppenheimer. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. Christopher Nolan yeah. is a god is a an absolute um, master at this. Point. I need to see this thing in IMAX. I'm going to go to Kind Love. I'm going to go. I'm going to get prepared. Uh, something that maybe I can maybe I'll get some Turbo Keef. I can melt over my popcorn and yeah. uh, go to IMAX probably by myself. I don't care. Uh, and just get blown away. Let's go. 
I was uh, dragged against my will to the Barbie movie last night. How was it? See, I thought it was terrible, but the reviews are good, and everybody's saying it's Interesting. good. So maybe I'm just I'm just missing something. I am a big Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach fan, but they're like yeah. they're, those are like indie king and queen. Like I, I'm curious to see how it uh, translates. I'll definitely see both, but like I'm super hyped on seeing Oppenheimer. Yeah, I, I thought it was awful, but there were reasons, <laughs> maybe uh, I, I, I thought it was absolutely terrible. Like really, yeah. really, yeah, yeah. Maybe I won't see. Bob. I mean, I, I, I know, I know, I'm not the the targeted audience. I know I'm not. Well, it's but, for a uh, wide audience. It's supposed to be for everybody. Listen, this is a that's wide. What I thought unbelievable. Well, maybe Bar- Maybe I'll see. I'll save Barbie for the home screen. Oppenheimer. I feel like I got to get. Uh, I got, because just in, since we're we're not talking about the Nuggets anymore, anyway, my family is from Los Alamos. Like my family, like yeah. Los Alamos is the town that was invented to house the National Laboratory where the atomic bomb was ultimately developed. And so, like, wow. this is some yes. Yeah, so this is like something that is like deep this in hits my, home. This hits home. Like my family worked at the at the National Laboratory, so I would like go to this weird town, Los Alamos, which is in the middle of New Mexico, but shares no traits with any of the rest of New Mexico because it's like, it's like a, a fabricated town. So like, I'm super interested. I want to see what happens. I want to learn about the fat man and the little boy. Let's go. I'm ready. Yeah. Here, can you pull up that tweet real quick before we uh, get out of here? Did, um, did the nuggets steal my tweet D line? I, I need you to be the, okay. The final ruling on this. Okay. You've got this tweet from the nuggets. Yep. Um, today and then my tweet yeah you're gonna pull that one up as well uh here's here's my tweet well all right listen you, you what you're involved in is a large-scale meme i don't think that you could claim ownership over this i don't think they stole it from you everybody was looking for their version of barbie and oppenheimer um so i gotta say no they didn't steal but I cannot wait for this meme to be I'll say that. <laughs> okay. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Hope everybody has a good weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Stay safe. Talk to you guys then. Let's go. I missed you so much.